The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. Alright, it is that time. Back on the Sour Hour, Brewing Network Studios. I'm your host, Jay, here in lovely downtown Concord. Here with Bevo. Bevo in the house. Hey, Bevo. Every time. Hello. Every time. <laughs> How's it going? Fine. <laughs> Good. What's new with you? I'm just waiting She puts the mic 20 feet away. I turn it off and I push it away. Yeah. That's her sign. She's telling you signals. That's right. That means leave me alone. Bug off. Yeah. Scott's here too. Hey, Scott. Hey. My mic's right here. Yeah. Yeah, we know. We're good to go. Yeah. And we have some lovely in-studio guests tonight. We have Topher and Luke from Wildflower Brewing and Blending from just right down the street in... No, Sydney, Australia. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. In person. Just, uh, we'll intro you guys in a second, but just so we can hear your lovely voices, just a quick good day. Oh, good day. From Texas. <laughs> Howdy. All right. Good day. Really excited. Uh, I was lucky enough to visit their brewery when I was in Australia. Uh, as Topher and I were talking off mic, we don't remember when because our memories are bad, but I think it was last year at this time. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like, right. Last October? Yeah. yeah, I think that's about right. Was that when you crushed that uh, No Limit game at that random casino you went to? I did. Yeah, I that's did. that's about... I played in Sydney. A year ago. Yeah, it was great. What's the name of that casino? It's, like, uh, it's like a huge casino in like downtown. Yeah, they call it the Star Casino. It's essentially the center of planning controversy across the country, so we don't like talking about it. Oh, well, I took... <laughs> I took I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't take their money. I took hardworking Australians' money. But, right. So much better. Or hopefully some visitors. <laughs> Anyway, we'll talk about that game and more <laughs> in the next few hours, uh, but we're happy to have them. Um, some quick housekeeping off the top, and then we can get into some awesome beer talk. Uh, be sure to participate in this show by sending us some feedback. Email us, scott at thebrewingnetwork.com, jay at thebrewingnetwork.com. You can watch live. We are live today. Uh, thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV, and you can listen live on the Brewing Network app. Just search BN Mobile. In the search bars of app places, subscribe and leave feedback on Apple Podcast or wherever you subscribe to those sorts of things. And with that, Scott, I think we have a review of the week. Review of the week. <laughs> this is from the Rare Barrel Crew episodes 109 and 110. That's the guys. That's the, that's the username. Oh no, these are. Uh, I'm sorry, that is the title. Yeah, yeah. It is a five-star review, so, you know, temper this uh, upcoming feedback with that. It's from Animal Doc 11. It says, one word, painful. Five stars. (laughs) That's from Animal Doc. Thank you for the review, Animal Doc. Uh, I agree. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, we were less than prepared. I was struggling through that show as a host with what, like six guests in the studio. Mm-hmm. That was brutal. Less than terrific. I think they're not used to, cause we're starting the shows earlier in the day for us now. Um, and they were not used to that. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. used to do it at, sometimes we do it at three or five mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, five, we're done for the day. We've been working all day. Let's go crush some Pliny's. Yeah, I also didn't try to get them hammered. Right. No, they were trying, but it was just like pretty early. So anyway, not our best effort. You know, we've been on the air for five years. So. Yeah, you know, they can't all be gems. Yeah, no, no. All but, right. Hey, five years. That's good. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks. Um, that was Animal Doc. Animal Doc. Bring the honesty, but still bring in the five, five stars. stars. So yeah. you can say whatever you want. Honestly, <laughs> at that point, I don't really care. It's kind of funnier. Can you can you pick up my uh, chair squeaking on the mic or no? I mean, if there's other stuff going on, it well, I don't think it'll be noticeable. For the but... millions watching live, can you see what I'm doing? Here, you want to hear it back? This is the high water mark. Here. <laughs> That's it. That's what it's going to sound like. Kind of sounds like the the background of like a Moby song. Oh, All right. Okay, here we go. We don't mess around that much, you guys, at the beginning <laughs> of the show. <laughs> Last show, we had Allagash. Uh, yeah, we did. Jason Perkins called in. Uh, local Allagash rep Aaron was in studio because he's just a few blocks away. That was a lot of fun. Great beers. And bigger news since the last show, uh, Scott got married. Yeah, How I about did. that? Yeah, oh, hey, thank you. Congrats. Thank you very much. It's harder to clap with a ring on your finger. Mm. <laughs> but way easier to open bottles. A lot easier, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I specifically got the tungsten ring, the like super hard. Nassau uses this metal or whatever I was sold on at the store. But Na- it's a. Nassau or NASA? Na- Na- NASA. N- not the island uh, in the Caribbean. It's NASA. NASA. What did I say? NASA. I don't that's know. A, that's an island that's in the, the Bahamas. Island. Yeah, the Bahamas. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> You can open bottles Nailed with it. this metal, though. Oh, I got a laugh from Vivo. That's actually. good stuff. That's good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was great. It was good times. It was the uh, the four day party, and it yeah. was uh, it was awesome. What can I say? Every every there was a big effect. Really, no drama. Everything went exactly according to plan. Uh, yeah, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna get into it that on the show. No, all right. It was, was a, it was uh, really a great time. I had, I had a fantastic time. There's a little beer mishap, but yeah, but lots know. of lots of beer successes. So there was plenty of beer. Yeah. And plenty of good times were had. It's great to see some Brewing Network people, uh, lovely brewers from Chuckanut. Mm-hmm. And that was that was great. I mean, if you're going to have your wedding in a city, have it in a city full of world-class lagers. No kidding. I mean, I'm telling you. Shout out to Will and Mari Kemper for hooking up some Pilsner for the event. And we did the uh, the night before. We did like the rehearsal dinner post-party at Chuckanut. And mm-hmm. I would have tried to get their beer if I had my wedding in yeah. Houston, yeah. I would have tried to get Chuck and that beer there. I'm so we're just lucky that we're in Bellingham. For sure. All right. Anything else, Scott, at the top? Mm. Oh, yeah. You know what? Hey, let me read this uh, follow-up here from... Uh, remember the uh, the Brew Wild Sydney competition? Yes. Yes, you do. I know you do here. Yes. So I have an update to read from... It's just not that relevant for this show. <laughs> so, you really want to yeah, read? you're absolutely right. Is this a Forget question it. or is Let's it just a on. report? No, it's just a quick report. I wanted okay. to do the follow-up here. Because then I was going to say who it was sponsored by. But. Oh, 
This update is sponsored by SourBeerBlog.com. This update is sponsored by SourBeerBlog.com. Check out the articles on SourBeerBlog for a great written resource devoted to teaching you how to brew and blend sour beer at home. And now, the SourBeerBlog crew is opening up a new brewery and taproom in central Pennsylvania. Not, Not so new. They're really old now. At this point. They're veterans. I'm great at updating this. Check them out. Mellow Mink Brewing at MellowMink.com. Andrew Todd, the uh, guy who organized that competition, Brew Wild Sydney, they had a, a great turnout. Over 70 people entered Wild and Blended Beers. It was Hayden Henderson was the guy who absolutely smashed the competition. Placed in all five categories, he pulled two first places, a second place, and two thirds, and he claimed champion brewer, so he took home quite a haul alongside uh, some money, and he won about $1,000 uh, uh, worth of gear. And uh, he's uh, basically just set the standard for this competition in wow. 2020, which they're going to bring back. So good on you, Hayden Henderson and uh, Andrew, for pulling off a, what sounds like a really cool event. We are going to get Hayden's beer. I don't know how many varieties, but at least a couple uh, here in the studio. I <laughs> <laughs> know, right? That, this, no, if, if I'm not mistaken, he got a magnum of our beer for, for, for winning. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we oh, were cool. involved in this. Oh, That's right probably what, why it was worth the $1,000. Yeah. Oh, is that it? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, all right. So I'll, we'll be looking forward to uh, trying Hayden's beer uh, on the show coming up in future episodes. And uh, way to go, man. Way to, way to pull off an awesome competition, Andrew. Good on you. Yeah, and congrats to Hayden. You know, I get this uh, urge that you get sometimes when it's like, oh, two people from, like, very specific, far away uh, places but that have a huge population. It's like, oh, like, you know, oh, my brother served in the Army. Your brother was in the Army? Like, do you know him? Like, Tom Peterson. Yeah, so right. I'm, like, I'm resisting the earth as these two. It's like, hey, you guys must know Aiden, right? <laughs> Andrew Todd, you guys know Andrew? Yeah, he's just a guy in Sydney. I mean, <laughs> it's like enormously. But, I mean. It is, but, but I think amongst the, the brewery community exactly. and, 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 I mean, Craft beer is in no way nascent in in in, Aust- in Sydney or in Australia, but but it is you know it's a curated community. Sure, yeah. and in the mixed culture of sour wild. So you see, so you're saying you do know Hayden. <laughs> I'd say I would. H dog, <laughs> world famous. Thanks uh, for that update. And I think let's keep the the first segment short, and then we can start popping bottles. What do you think, Scott? I think that sounds fantastic. How many different varieties do we have? How many beers do we have today, We've guys? We've got five. Yeah. That's, that's the right number. Yeah. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. This is Pete from the Garage Project, Wellington, New Zealand, and you're listening to the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. All right, we're back. Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. And we're here with uh, Topher and Luke from Wildflower. Um, so I want to get into some beers. Thanks, Sandra. Uh, we just sourced our bottle opener. Um, hey, do you guys happen to know uh, Pete from the Garage Project? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you guys do know him? Yeah. Oh, cool. 
I just did that that liner at the break, and I figured since you guys all know, everyone with like a similar <laughs> accent knows each other too, right? You said it correctly, the garage. Project. Oh yeah. Well, garage. I'm just yeah, I'm going uh, yeah. as he says it. Yeah. This is Pete from the Garage Project. <laughs> That's excellent. Um, so. Let's get into maybe to start off with a little bit of background, uh, how you guys got into uh, the industry, how you got to Wildflower in particular, and uh, and then we'll dive into the beers. Sure. As Scott is uh, opening them. Sure. Topher, why don't we start with you? Um, I started as a home brewer, and I started uh, making beer um, at home probably in 2011. I'd moved... Uh, full-time to Australia at that stage. I was kind of going back and forth and between... before you were... I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. Um, and I never brewed here, but I sort of moved to Australia after um, after high school and spent some time there and then decided I wanted to stay and did my university degree there. And while I was studying at university, sort of kept traveling back and forth um, home, coming back uh, to America and... My brother lived in Seattle, or still does live in Seattle, and sort of spent some time around there drinking, you know, amazing hopping beer in and around Seattle, and came back to Australia. I remember one trip very specifically, came back to Australia and, and searched the bottle shop for IPA. And I was like, well, this is, you know, I'm having this in Seattle, I want to come home and drink some of it. And um, at the time, the only IPA I could actually find was uh, pretty lackluster. So I thought, well, why don't I start brewing? And being a person, I've always been kind of interested in making things from from the beginning and from raw materials. So um, started brewing at home. And, and uh, as I was mentioning before, I mean, it's actually, for me, legitimately like a huge honor to, to be here and, and talking on the Brewing Network and, and, and um, sharing my experience and some of the things that, that we do in Sydney. Um, because this this show specifically, and and then uh, previously before that, the session, um, yeah, which is a way worse show. <laughs> um, Good man. But uh, I still do listen sometimes. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know that's relevant. Um, I was going to give you my review of the week. <laughs> the session's shit. Um, <laughs> sour hours where it's at. That's the liner. <laughs> yeah. So um, those shows, both of these were hugely informative for me and. and um, helped me a huge amount uh, in understanding how to make good beer. Um, so back and forth, I spent finished university, and as I was finishing up um, my degree, a couple of friends of mine decided to start uh, a little craft brewery in Sydney, which is now called Batch. Um, and I had I had worked um, and was working at the time at a little uh, brew pub um, in Sydney as well, doing little bits of brewing on the side of uh, studying. And decided that I liked making beer a whole lot more than I liked studying astrophysics, So, um, <laughs> it, which was a good, enjoyable time. But um, making beer and drinking beer in the industry was a bit more fun. So um, started working for, for, for Batch um, and became sort of their first brewer and, and um, got to make sort of everything under the sun. Lovely place, too. Clean. Lovely guys. We went over there. Fantastic, yeah. They, they uh, I mean, I still make my work there today on, on, on their brewery, so... Um, little t- t- ten barrel brewery, mostly clean IPA, American Pale Ale, those kinds of flavors. The big kettle sour program as well. And uh, over time, just just kind of slowly got into mixed culture brewing and came 
really for, from two reasons, not to go too deep into the origin story, but w- one of them really specifically was, was geography. I'd come from the States. I had a friend of mine working um, in Seattle, uh, really a friend of my brother's, Steve Luke, who owns Cloudburst Brewing. He's a really, really good guy. Just when he was starting Cloudburst, I thought, oh, we should, we should collaborate between Batch and doing them. But this sort of amazing worldwide logistics uh, thing, like ability, makes uh, hops that are grown here, barley that's grown here, um, yeast that's grown, sorry, that, that's propagated anywhere in the world, accessible t- to us in, in, in Australia. And it just didn't make sense to me that I'd moved halfway across the world and, and was making beer certainly from a place um, and, and in a place, but uh, not always focused specifically on those ingredients and working on uh, st- starting to become inspired by, or like over that time became inspired by beers that had a sense of place um, first and foremost by the, their yeast character and that's certainly what we followed to, to, to start Wildflower and we can talk about the culture and things like that later but the, the, the origin of the brewery certainly comes from a, from a desire to, to make something that's brewed somewhere but also from that place because of those raw materials and then the second, the second aspect was the flavors themselves um, my wife enjoys beer and and um but wasn't really into a lot of the beers i was bringing home from from batch and really enjoyed these styles things that were um drier had a bit of acidity different characters than than what you get in more aggressively hop hop forward beers or even a lot of clean ales and that that really struck me even if i was going to be doing something for the rest of my life or at least for you know a good chunk of it at this stage and you know starting a career i'd want to be able to share that with the person that you know means the most to me in my life and why would i start you know why why would i not want to be able to bring home beers and, and make stuff that that um my wife bernadette would like and um that that whole idea i mean the the where these beers fall and the flavor profiles that they have kind of opened my mind to the fact that th- these aren't mixed culture beer is not the, the the prize for the elect of of beer world in general not at all i mean before 1890 all beers would have had these kinds of characters and maybe beer was a way less gender specific drink during that time it was a regional drink depending on where you were some people drink wines people drink beer and possibly these flavors in, in these beers um and i found through my wife's eyes and through a lot of her her friends that they shared characteristics of other beverages and and they could be really enjoyable to people who had no indoctrinated palate you know i wasn't into this idea that you have to drink five double ipas before you know what's good and you know you have to you have to be you have to graduate to that it's the same thing with with mixed culture beer um has to be once you have you know six really really sour beers then then you know you'll start to enjoy your your seventh or whatever it is um everyone's palate's fine the way that it is if people didn't have good palates then they wouldn't know what they liked or didn't like to, to drink or eat for that matter and and uh one of the things that one you know i guess started this started the brewery and in, in focusing down this path is is making making beer that that is approachable and agreeable to um, a lot of different people that's a way longer answer than i think you'd probably ask for but that's probably how i got into it, it was starting with you know just making beer at home listening to to the to the to the podcast and then um moving closer and closer to something i think it's probably a truer expression of, of who i am what i want to see well first off that answer was very agreeable <laughs> you, you've listened to these shows well, there's it's long form for a reason we want to give you guys the time to talk about your background and just makes it you know more rich for everyone we'll get to the beer in just a moment but luke i want to get a little info on your background sure 
what how did how did you kind of get started in the industry and how did you end up at wildflower i have no beer background so i i studied winemaking and i worked uh, as a winemaker for 11 years all over australia starting off in in, in western australia on, on, down the south coast my wife Bree then moved us to to melbourne where i was lucky enough to work in down the mornington we were there for for four years before we we relocated again to sydney sydney is a little different in a in a wine sense the regions are a little little further out and a little little harder to access and we we made the decision that we would be living we would take advantage of that inner city life for a change so that, that instantly ruled out wine for me so i was aware of, of of a brewery called wildflower that had just just recently opened um not long before moving to sydney so just dropped myself on, on tofu's doorstep <laughs> one day and uh introduced myself probably took a couple more months um obviously the brewery was very young and the family were, were, were pitching in and, and helping uh with the various um tasks about the brewery but it, it didn't take long before there was a day a week there was two days a week there was three days a week and then and then i'm sure much sooner than than both tof and chris thought that they, they were able to put us on full time so for me personally it was, it was fantastic my previous boss he he had certainly introduced me to to lambics and mixed culture beer and that there's a, there is a strong transition or crossover of skills particularly with with the way that wildflower operates with the barrel program and, and the blending so so i feel like even though i had no sort of brewing or beer background there was there was a skill set there which which certainly could help uh yeah help tofer and, and and chris in in that side of things so yeah and i, I think it brings definitely a different skill set but one that's very applicable it's parallel mm-hmm. even if it doesn't cross all the time yep i want to have tons of questions about all that but i don't want to go too much further without talking about the, the beer that we have open so tofer why don't you tell us what what this beer is sure um we're drinking a beer called gold we'll spend a bit of time talking about how we make the beers and and and, and all of that and, and i think we made a very conscious decision at the beginning of the brewery uh, to make our beers at least named very simply um because there is so much background but um Sometimes I like to say our beer gives as many fucks as you do. Like if you do not give a fuck, <laughs> hopefully it'll meet you there. You know, like it'll just it'll just be a nice, enjoyable drink. Um, but if you give a lot of fucks, um, it will it will go to that length with you. You know, um, you better trademark that. <laughs> this is going to go out to literally hundreds of people who are going to get on um, it. <laughs> my mom's definitely going to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> you can already hear her in my ear. Sorry, we'll edit it anyway, out. Yeah, no, you're definitely not. Um, <laughs> The amount of times I've heard you say that, and yeah. then it doesn't get edited out. <laughs> that's how. That's how you know. But how many times, you know, did it get edited out? I'd say that a hundred times a show. So highly doubt that. Um, anyway, this beer is called Gold. So we we make two wort streams mainly um, at our brewery: a golden one and an amber one. And the gold, uh, the beer that we're having right now. This is our uh, one of our blends, and we, we release this beer once every sort of six weeks, six to eight weeks, depending on stock and availability. Um, and it's essentially a, a barrel-aged beer to coupage. So we, we brew this wort about once a month. Um, we ferment with the same mixed culture of yeast. Uh, we put it to barrel, and then um, it sits there. And our barrels are on stillage, so they're, they're sort of on a pyramid stack. And once a month, Luke and I... Once a month, like I said, once every six weeks, we'll, we'll sample all of the barrels. Um, no matter if they've been in barrel for one month or 14 or however many, two years. 
um, we'll taste each barrel and decide which ones are, are within their own window of, of being drinkable and, and nice. And we'll blend different ages of the same beer together to, to make the composition that we're after. So in that way, we can release what we think to be the same beer over and over and over again. We have this sense of consistency with, with what what is an inconsistent process. The beer is a 5% um, ABV beer uh, made with um, locally grown and malted barley, uh, raw uh, wheat. Um, it's hopped with mochoeca and saws, which are two hops that we use um, pr- predominantly now. Um, the, the focus of this beer is is to kind of marry um, uh, acidity with, with aroma. So we want this beer to be really intriguing beer, very inviting, like uh, pretty is really the word I like to think of um, the most. Now, it's midday, acid is a bit stronger um, in the morning, so um, we, you can feel that a little bit more, but the the, the real uh, attempt of this one is to, is, is to make, um, even in a golden sour beer that's going to finish quite dry um, and with some acid, still a very subtle, gentle, creamy acidity. I'll talk about like lemon meringue characteristics, what we're going for that. Your palate perceives acid more more acutely in the morning? Certainly. Really? Yeah, definitely. Have you ever heard that before? I, when I drink too much coffee, I tell myself that all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize that. I mean, like, so many breakfast foods are really acidic. Like, you have orange juice, you have um, yogurt. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things, I mean, uh, that you have in the morning. That I, for me, those are meant to be helping you wake up. Like, think about the f- straight, straight juice in the morning, and it just absolutely... Mm-hmm. Helps you kind of jump out of bed. Mm-hmm. I, I think the reason that that you, um, it's not that your 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 palate changes so much throughout the day. It's that you are eating and drinking or whatever kind of drink it throughout just the day. It becomes dulled in general. Probably, yeah. like most things, become blurry sense. after a few beers. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> um, in the morning, it, I, it's the perception. Sure, yeah. for 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 our, for my opinion, I mean, we we tend to try to blend this beer early in the day. Interesting. Um, Eleven, so that I mean, if it's cold as well, it's it's a totally different blending um, session. I, mm. I don't know if you you would recognize that Jay from your barrels. You you, you, you perceive acidity faster. I feel with, when you are colder. When I'm cold, yeah, and the bar- and the beer is colder as well for sure. Okay. Hmm. Well, sure. The I mean, the beer, of course, that makes sense. Mm. But your your yourself too, like the the climate your body is in changes that that perception as well. I, I, That's fascinating. Like without getting too heady and hand wavy, yeah, I would completely agree with that. Interesting. <laughs> so, by the way, I would I would say this is a pretty beer. It's very good. Um, it's gorgeous. When it comes to the hops you guys use, I think there are two the hops the hop varietals you see around a lot. But not not that often together. So what what goes in the decision of having both Saz and Matueka in the beer? Well, um, Matueka is Kiwi Saz. It was it was crossed um, with something else down there, but it has that really beautiful limey characteristic. And of course, making this culture beer and, and our, our culture itself throws a lot of citrus characteristics. And we don't want that to be just that totally you know lemon bitter dry citrus and more. Bit more flavor, um, hopefully. And the reason for for using those hops so specifically is um, they're 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 low alpha. Yeah, even much like is usually around six, six five, um, and they throw more noble characteristics. I mean, even much like you can dry hop the shit out of something and go super juicy, which we've done, and it's a, that's a really fun way to take much like. But if you use it more lightly. Um, like like in um, some you know new world lagers, I would I would call them. You you get a lot of that spice and grassiness that you would get from a saz, um, as well as those undertones of of the new world characteristics. So I think our hops in Australia 
are certainly more bred at the moment to be uh, the tropical IPA um, kind of hops. And there wasn't a hop that we could um, hold on to really, really closely um, in Australia. There was a hop called Summer, but it was sort of phased out um, that, that we could use. I think to get the right amount of bitterness in the beer, that's so, but it's not bitter. We we we, we hop this. This beer is at about twenty twenty eight BU, but it spends some fair bit of time in barrel. Um, we needed a, that hop kind of charge, I guess, at, at the beginning to keep down um, acidity, like and, and really stall out or stymie at least the the the, the bacteria. Um, however, I didn't want those hops to be uh, the forefront of the beer. I mean, again, like. For, for me, complexity is a deductive process, not an additive one. Um, you you don't add things into beer or any drink, um, and it becomes more complex. For, for me, it, it's 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 by removing the large um, overtones that you see. Um, anything aggressive, uh, you, you're pulling that out, and then you get something that's more complex because it's more delicate. You know, the flavors are are in the corners rather than right in front of you. You have to used to find them and they kind of develop over time rather than them shouting at you um and and the same thing is with hops i didn't want i generally i mean we're going to drink a beer later that's a pretty loud hoppy beer but especially for for these ones that spend time in barrel and really are the backbone of our brewery this this gold and in and, and the amber they should be in check with everything else you know um mm-hmm. not 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 the shining star by any means and i think those two hops the way that we use them or the way they can be used, I think, play in really, really nicely. And, and at the moment, there's not there's not hops in Australia that, that I could use to, to do that. I mean, we, we can talk about the next year what will happen for us and, and changing that. But, um, yeah, subtle, but a little bit of character. And then certainly down the chain, which is something Jay and I were talking about later and something I'll talk about in the show for a bit, is, you know, the interaction that, that the wild yeast does have with the hop compounds later on. That was that's a really become a really important part of our of our um, aroma profile. Absolutely. And I think that's all all fascinating. So we've 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 gotten to know you guys, we've gotten to know one of your beers. I guess I wanna kinda of bring that all together and talk a little bit about what is wildflower, what does the brewery look like? What's the philosophy and then just, you know, how did you get there? Some of the influences uh, sure. from your guys' past. So Wildfire is a sort of three, coming up on three-year-old, um, very small brewery in a uh, suburb of Sydney um, called Marrickville, largely called the Inner West. And if, if you've been to, to London or you've been drinking in Bermondsey Mile or something like that, that's essentially a similar area of Sydney. Um, it's close to the city, um, but still industrially zoned. You know, it's in the flight path, like so many good breweries around mm-hmm. the world are. <laughs> and... Um, we I started this brewery with my brother-in-law, um, Chris, who is uh, by trade a, a lawyer, um, and I was kind of joking with him when I had this this idea of starting this brewery and focusing on ingredients from from New South Wales, or which is our state, um, and and making mixed culture barrel aged beer. And I was kind of joking with him, like, why don't you just leave your job and start this with me? And then he this was on text. I was in America at the time. He messaged back and he was like, "Well, maybe I will. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to M." And I was like, "Oh shit! I just got a business partner." Like, didn't think I, I hadn't thought that one through yet. Well, I mean, um, as someone who has heard a lot of Brewing Network over the years, yeah. you've heard how many ex attorneys now work in the brewing industry. I mean, it couldn't have come yeah. as that big of a surprise. Well, well I mean, I, I definitely needed the help in getting started because I'm not. I mean, I'm, uh, paperwork is not my forte, and, and and unfortunately for Chris, that's what he's really good at. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a, what an existence. <laughs> um, so we we started hatching this plan together, and 
only recently as he finished uh sort of moon moonlighting and i mean really the full-time job was was still was still law um but he's he's finished that up now and um we uh started hatching this brewery and found a space in in marrickville in the same area so right around the corner from batch um there's about six or seven breweries now in this sort of square kilometer uh of sydney and we found a little space this beautiful building um or roughs on oregon timber old metal foundry that uh, was built in the 1880s and and i sort of walked in and saw it and i was like oh this, this has to be where we're going to do this. What was Lots its of timber? What was its most recent function? It, so it had stayed in the same family for until um, the early two thousands, like from its origin. Uh, it had never been sold, and uh, it went from a foundry into a machine shop. It kind of always stayed metalworking. There's a local butcher um, who uh, is a whole animal butcher, very sustainable, amazing, amazing uh, meat. He re- recalls going there. He told me a story about going there to go get like really bizarre, random stainless steel pieces that he needs for his mincer or his I don't know something for for the, for the butchery, um, and they would just do fabricate it. it. They would yeah. just do it, yeah. And, you know the, that kind of old world, just like can you? I don't know. Yeah, you know, a, we, me- we, a metalsmith. Yeah, the, the town's metalsmith. <laughs> That's That's great. Great. Yeah. So I'm not sure what um, what ended up happening with that company, but it certainly stayed empty for for a couple of years, and then and then we we moved in. And the yeah. timber was a key factor for you for the bugs in the wood and whatnot. Yeah, I mean it was something I desire, but I didn't think I'd actually find it. Um, there was a there was a sense of urgency in my mind to getting the, the brewery started. I was just so I had all these ideas kind of floating around for a number of years. Um, I, I had spent some time um, in 2015, uh, sort of left batched on a little bit of a hiatus and went and lived in northern spain um with my wife for a year and during that time traveled a lot uh extensively across europe and then back home a bit and visiting a lot kinds of breweries and we'll talk about that in terms of the origin story um but when i got back i was so on fire and i was like i need to need to do this and you know after working in commercial beer for at that stage it was probably four or five years you, you kind of you're make, making homebrew and it's like there's only 20 liters like i don't i couldn't really test my these ideas unless I was doing it at scale essentially I needed I needed stocked I needed the 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 seller to blend from to get the beer that I wanted to make so there was a sense of urgency in for me and I thought oh well we're gonna have to just find the space and it just happened that, that this space was the first one that we saw and it ended up coming on the market and still now I mean I don't know any 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 space in the precinct that that looks like it um, it's just it's really beautiful but ha- have the wood was an absolute bonus and but of course, when we did move in, I mean, I had I had um, some of my favorite beer in a spray, you know, sp- spray bottle and spraying it everywhere across all the timber and inoculating the wood, and yeah, as you do. Was it a rare barrel beer? <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely my beer. Yeah. Uh, I'm not okay. saying that I, I wouldn't have that. done uh, wouldn't have done um, Jay's, but the the. the I mean, our our culture comes from our place, so um, I didn't want to be introducing, you know, all these foreign yeasts and things. (laughs) Damn Americans. (laughs) And what do you think the 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 wine influences on the brewery, Luke? What do you what do you bring to the mix? Probably in terms of like a lot of blending, I would think, but you know, probably process as well with handling the barrels. And and Topher does like to go away overseas a lot, so that sort of does leave. 
someone has to do some of the work. So. <laughs> You're here right now, okay? So maybe regret this. Chris, Chris lives in Tasmania, toast away, so that, that really does only leave me. Um, I did see on your website, it's like, sorry, everyone, we're not shipping any beer this week. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely, definitely. Like, it was a win-win, like. You're always looking to to further your knowledge base. I think, I think personally, um, but at the same time, ten years or eleven years in one industry, you, you do feel like you have something to offer someone. So, and it was, it was lovely that it worked out in that way. But certainly, the blending is, is where I feel Luke's like being humble. He's an I amazing can, palate. I can feel like I can contribute the most, and then that's obviously Tofu and I. The blending's done together. There's never a this is what I think, and then someone else has a has the judgment it's it's always a mutual decision well as as beautiful as that sounds i do want to point out that this label (laughs) in the very upper left corner in about type six point font says blended by topher full stop (laughs) the label was printed a while ago probably needs to be edited um although you know what topher topher did not capitalize his name the b in blended is capitalized but the t is not so maybe that's like his way of saying like oh it wasn't just me i'll take it he's humble i'll take it (laughs) but uh so it's It's pretty embarrassing It's a lovely win-win at this point. Yeah, sounds like it. I mean, also just 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 knowledge with 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 process and seeing. I mean, anyone who's worked in a brewery will understand this. You can have someone that comes in and they just don't see what's what's what needs to happen next. You know, and 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 Luke's background while being in a separate industry brought all of that knowledge with with barrels and blending and and all of that to the table. Um, but also, he's a, he's a really good seller monkey. You know, he just knows how to move hoses around and move things out of barrels keep and and, and keep things clean and see the next. <laughs> I mean, we, we definitely changed more of any of our most of our cleaning techniques uh, now at the brewery are probably more influenced by how how things are done in wine. Um, we also have a massive focus. I mean, it, it's a personal focus because it comes from a, like a an interest in in wine, but mo- for for the beer, most specifically in wine grape fermentations. And so, techniques in handling fruit are are really. Um, uh, something we, we really experiment with, and, and Luke, Luke has so much experience dealing with, you know, uh, when when fruit comes in from from the vineyard, how how to how to work with it to, to stoke out the flavors that you want. You know, it's not just immediate crush and ferment. Um, so those things, it's a it's a d- daily daily conversations for us. Excellent. I think we'll we'll try some of those beers in a little bit. But before we dive into that, should we take a break, Scott? What do yes. you think? Yeah. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back with Wildflower. This is Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. This is Jeremy from Brewery Taru. You're listening to the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. All right. As Jeremy said, we're back. It's the Sour Hour. Just hanging out with Jeremy last week, last weekend. Was he up here or are you down there? Uh, down in Long Beach for the California Craft Brewers Association uh, Summit and Festival. Nice. How's that? Times. Yeah. Hot as balls. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Topher's mom, but... <laughs> That's how hot it was. Uh, I definitely give lots of fucks about the heat. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, we're going to be in trouble. Um, 
we're not having any trouble drinking these beers. We've got a new one open, and this one, it's another gold, right? Good as gold. Good as gold. All right. Tell us what the difference is. We've got actually a side-by-side going in here. So mm-hmm. so being a, you know, a blendery um, and not having our own brew house, uh, we, we don't we brew sort of fortnightly, which is once every two weeks. So we have these sort of streams of, of wort coming in, and uh, the gold being one of them. I wanted to, from the beginning, the gold was actually always meant to be a blend of freshly fermented mixed culture beer and barrel-aged beer um, at some ratio. Um, there's, a, there's a beer that BFM makes in Switzerland called Screw 225. There, it was like a... Uh, 15-year anniversary saison from them. Um, and I just love it. I love the characteristics that you can get from fresh beer fermentation uh, with then a blended and of a barrel-aged component. So this beer, we only blended for the first time, I think, about a year and a half or so into the brewery um, because our culture, when it was really young, was was exactly what it should be, which is really wild. So um, when we started putting beer to barrel, uh, it started throwing all these crazy characteristics um, that I hadn't seen on the smaller scale when I've been working with the culture at a at a small level. Um, like what? Like reduction, like a lot of uh, sulfur. Sulfur. Um, so get really um, a lot of sulfur. We go through these sort of strange bacterial stages, um, things that I was certainly not happy with having in my finished beer. And so when we started brewing in October of 16, we, we ended up releasing our first beers in, in the sort of June of the, of the next year, or sorry, April or June or something like that of, of 17. I had thought that those first blends were going to be some of that early stuff that I'd started in the oct- October of 16, blended in with fresh beer that I'd brewed, you know, at the time of packaging or just before packaging the beers. Um, but with all of these other characteristics, I wasn't going to do that. So gold ended up becoming... 100% barrel-aged, blended beer to coupage. You know, so it's older, kind of um, older beer. And I'd always wanted to, to, to make a beer like this. And after using the culture for about 18 months, like I was saying, it, it started to show some levels of consistency, which gave us a window to, to, to make a beer like this. Good as gold is sort of a Australian-English um, saying as well, and I'm, I'm really into slogan. <laughs> and Sorry, slogans or jargon, um, rather. And uh, I love, you know, like hearing an Aussie say, oh, mate, that's good as gold. Um, (laughs) You know, we had a beer called gold. Um, So I thought, well, I think this beer is as good as our gold beer, but also, you know, it's good. So this beer is a blend 50-50 of freshly fermented gold wort. Um, So just finishing sort of two weeks fermentation out of stainless, blended equally with um, gold out of barrel. It also gives us a great, you know, when talking about blending and t- talking about the barrel program, it gives us a space to put our our gold barrels that maybe we miss the window. Maybe maybe they've got a little too much acid, or maybe they've got gone a little too oaky mm-hmm. um, for, to fit the profile of what we call gold, because um, those beers are probably more more on the aroma and a bit more balanced across the mid palate. So the barrels that kind of uh, tip over that edge, but that are still devoid of any fault. Um, we don't want to put them into the gold because the because the the, the flavor component would be would be incorrect, be thrown out in terms of too much oak or acid. But we can temper it with fresh beer, and this um, this blend ends up 
looking a little bit more beery, like a tasting a little bit more beery. You have more fresh hop character. Um, you have fresh fermentation spice. I mean, my like absolute ideal beer would be to like buy Girardin Lambic, right, and then blend it with Saison Dupont at <laughs> something. I mean, that would be like perfect for me um, all the time, and, and that's certainly not at all what I'm doing here. Um, but it, it it kind of marrying those younger, beautiful Saison spice hop characteristics with the complexity and and Moorishness that you can get from a beer that spent time on oak um, is is the attempt for this one. So, um, yeah, we, we, this one we release sort of every four months or so, but it is something that we, we like to make all the time, and this is our third blend that we're drinking now, and we just packaged our fifth one just before we left. What are the differences in the gold versus the good as gold when it comes once they get some age on themselves in the bottle? Good as gold gets a lot funkier. Than gold does. Gold's usually a pretty solid flavor. Meaning over, there's not a lot of drift. There's not a huge amount of drift over time. Yeah, depending on your, how your storage conditions. But good as gold, from my opinion, um, picks up more brett um, and a bit more funk with with more time in bottle. Um, and that's because you have mature. Well, from the, the real, the, the, my, my thought is with that that you have mature um, barrel-aged beer that, that we like that has a funky characteristic that we've obviously um, wanted to showcase because we put it in this beer. And that, in a sense, gets fresh beer. Uh, just gets this nice, like, uh, ye- you know, sugar charge to be able to, to work on. Um, and it doesn't have the same uh, level of acidity to kind of stymie that. So over time, we have seen that, that, that yeah, good as gold gets a bit brettier mm-hmm. um, on the nose over how, time. how long has this one been in bottle? Uh, November 18. Ten months. Yeah, we, we usually bottle condition our beers for three to four months before we release them, so this would have been released, yeah, probably er- earlier this year and, yeah, coming up to that, to that time. So you're saying, like, yeah, I mean, give it, give it, say, like another year in the cellar and it's going to be even more bread forward? I, I would say so, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, th- this beer, I like telling people, you know, if you're going to go to a barbecue, this is the beer to take because it is so light and fresh and mm-hmm. we'll yeah it's very bright one of those ones that fancy ass barbecue yeah <laughs> <laughs> just go straight from the bottle once you buy it it's absolutely yours you know, I'm you not pouring that for you anyone else yeah. but me I don't know I'm if you you know you've been away from the states long enough you know when we do barbecues here we drink like PBR yeah <laughs> Well, we, we sell that beer in, for, in, uh, well, not to hijack the question and take it a different way, but we, sure. we sell that beer for, for 20 Australian dollars, which at the moment is 15 US dollars from, from the brewery. And most, our wholesale pricing across Australia um, is, is reflects that. It's pretty similar, maybe a couple dollars more um, at, at a bottle shop. Um, and then that beer, the sort of the main focus of wanting this sort of blended barrel-edged and, and young beer to be the leading beer for, for this brewery was to get back to this idea of mixed culture beer, again, like not being this prize, not being something you needed to wait in line for, not being something that you had to have every single edition of, which is being a normal beer, right? I mean, I've already used the F word. So um, a couple a couple, a couple places in the brewery, one specifically, I've just written on the wall, like, in places where Luke and I will see sometimes when we're working, like, it's just fucking beer. Uh, at the end of the day, we want to make really drinkable, enjoyable, but available beers. And, and this beer, because it has that younger part, we can we can charge something that's like more. I mean, the gold's only $22. It's not that much more. But we can charge uh, a price that I think is equal to its value, like its worth, mm-hmm. and not, not, not outside of that. And that's a really important 
part for me, I'm, I'm really young, and a lot of my friends, I mean, I'm, I'm price sensitive. A lot of my friends are price sensitive. Sydney's an extremely expensive place to live, so we can't just be splashing crazy cash on on you know fancy beer and and that's a real focus of the the, the blending of the consistency um and and of the, of the brewery in terms of making kind of a core range of consistent beer these are large format bottles and that seems mm-hmm. extraordinarily reasonable pricing yeah, wise for sure and follow-up question did you just say that you're really young i'm 29 okay Whoa. i'm 28 i turn 29 next month sorry okay. yeah he's a 20 something <laughs> that's fairly i'd say yeah. fairly young oh right i mean yeah it's all relative right yeah. i mean <laughs> it sounds young to me as i as i steamroll towards 40 oh god yeah <laughs> touche um so when it when it, speaking of young when it does when you do start introducing kind of the younger makes culture beer into this what are some of the trials and tribulations what what things have come up when making good as gold uh kind of come up in that process that you have to watch out for if you're you know another brewery listening and kind of trying to attempt something similar with their house culture what have you seen go wrong that maybe it doesn't go wrong in the in the gold process would you say we condition this beer longer i think so yeah yeah it does take longer to come together in bottle you've got two very separate very young beer and then reasonably old beer so that that integration takes time how young is the young beer when it gets blended two weeks yeah. okay I mean, 14 days yeah so i think that yeah that, that, that'd be a fair point that we do we do hold the beer for longer mm-hmm. our priming rate is obviously lower, lower. because there's there's going to be more um available sugar in, in the younger beer for fermentation so have you had trouble with over or under carbonation while you know you are anticipating that doesn't mean it's always going to come out that way because there's also the issue of how much co2 is left in the young beer which is only two weeks old yeah. versus you know if you're used to the barrel aged beer maybe it's you know point three volumes of co2 and then the young beer is like over one or yeah, something no, it, it's like it's a lot to deal and, with oh well another like great thing about being around a bunch of other breweries is you know friends have qc boxes so i can <laughs> i have in the past just gone run over pick up someone's you know o2 co2 meter and 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 run it against our barrel aged beer versus the fresh stuff and and i mean we work on pretty the the the, the brewery is like just take another step back we're, we're we're tiny like we're very very small we make and will release next year around forty seven thousand liters so i don't even just divide that by 120 hundred thousand barrels i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh i'll do it for you here you know um, while you're doing that we we're busy a little busy before the show but i was gonna suggest to scott it's like hey can you just load up a bunch of uh Conversions before we start oh, the show. A chart. <laughs> so yeah. Right yeah. I'm kidding. It's like, yeah. I need to know the grams per liter of mm. uh, hopping rates. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so it's under 400 barrels, just under, so it's about 390 um, barrels. So we're very small. Uh, it's me, Luke, and Chris. And then we have some people that help uh, with our cellar door on Fridays and Saturdays when we're open. Um, so many of the things That's that, the tasting room. The tasting Yeah, yeah so you yeah, do. Yeah. There is my on, fancy tasting room. There's an on site tap room. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So many things that I do, and I'll get back to the question. So many things that we do are influenced by the fact that we we we, we have a, a small team. Um, we do have time up our sleeves. So that that's one thing we were engineer like we built the brewery for. We're not having a brew house, not having to pay the equipment, financing loans, and things like that. We we can we can work with time as a sort of no, another sort of employee or member of, of the brewery. Um, but I do keep things really streamlined, streamlined in terms of keeping them simple. We use the same house culture for bottling as we do for 
primary fermentation. And, and in that, I think, with what we're talking about now, any beer that goes to bottle, it's seen that same mixture of Brett, Lactopedia, and Saccharomyces. Um, so I'm not too worried about the beer going down, you know, fermenting down any further than, than it does generally because it's, it's, the, it's just not a separate um, bottling yeast that, that, that could consume some yeast that, that uh, our, our primary culture didn't. Another thing with letting the beers age in barrel, specifically with the gold and amber, those two sort of cores, it, it, it lets everything kind of do what it's going to do. It's going to ferment out to where it's going to be, where we're, we're dealing with what is essentially a finished product, and and the, the moving target is probably a little bit more stable in terms of bottle, bottle conditioning. Um, I, I do condition our beers probably under where um, like a lot of Saison would be. I find that the carbonic acid, when paired with you know the other types of organic acids that are in our beer, um, those can compound each other, and I think it changes the mouthfeel. So our beers are probably a little bit lower, and that's probably also some small insurance. Um, but I've, we've stuffed up on, stuffed up on that as well, going too low um, a couple of times in in, in bottling, um, where you know the beer has fizz and, and it pours with the foam, but maybe when it's when it's quite cold, it, it doesn't it doesn't um, do that. So I think. With the good as gold, we've just worked out a different priming rate. You know, at the moment we we use dextrose, boil it up in a keg, and inject it into the beer and recirculate before packaging. We take Play-Doh readings and we know um, for our beers what uh, how many you know d- degrees Play-Doh they need to to rise to get the CO2 volume where we are, and we do that throughout the packaging run to make sure that you know the sugar didn't change throughout the run. Um, but uh, for the good as gold, we, we just prime that a little bit lower. Like our literal grams per liter of dextrose is is just about is about one one gram lower from memory. Yeah, but okay. knock on wood, haven't seen yeah. too many issues. It's <laughs> tough when you're diving into this. This is how we started at the Rare Barrel too. We started, I think, our first beer ever was essentially a little under two volumes of CO two, which is some CO two. <laughs> And not a bubble more. <laughs> mm. And then we just went, um, you know, like 0.1 Play-Doh per barrel of beer up each, you know, every one or two bottling runs. Until you got where you wanted to be. Until we got where we wanted mm-hmm. to be. and Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, once you start, you don't, is it going to keep going? It's going to go to zero? Yep. You know, you don't really know until you start. Forgive me if I missed this, and you already said it. Are you using wine barrels, neutral, or do you have other stock? What What, what are the barrel varietals? So we have about two hundred all X wine French oak. Um, so they're they're all X wine, and they're all neutral. The small caveat to that is a, is a couple musket barrels, and some of them are, are American musket, like dessert wine. Um, but everything's X wine, um, and and the. Ma- the the focus is yeah neutral French oak. We don't again like when I'm talking about this this idea about complexity and subtlety. If an oakiness comes into the beer, an aspect it should again be there in check. You know, we're not using the barrels for their flavor additions. We're using them for um, aging vessels, uh, the slow microoxidation, mm-hmm. um, the ability for them to hold the culture. Those are things that are more important to us than the flavors they could impart in fact sometimes when they do impart we'll we'll move that beer out a bit earlier put it into a different barrel blend it into good as gold and and keep going and, and we, we work with probably six or seven different wineries that we get our barrels from and we know which wineries you know how they use them if they're soaking every last bit of that toast or spice out of them before we get them so we kind of determine which beer goes into what barrel based on on that you correct me if this is wrong jay but your whole thing when you start a rare barrel was like 
well, we have the space for a brew system, and it's in the back of my mind, and I want to do all the same stuff as far as, like, I don't I don't want to finance the equipment. That's not our, our model to start for the foreseeable whatever is we're going to have our, our work done elsewhere. But in the back of my mind, I'm going to search for the right system, and if it's a year from now or five years from now, I'm going to score it and set it up at some point. Mm-hmm. And you eventually did that just recently. I don't, yeah. Is it set up yet? No. Till now. Okay, but so are you guys in the – do you have space for it? Is that in the back of your minds as, like, an eventuality – Yes and no. We we don't have space for it. Um, we could make space for it somehow, and at the sacrifice of something else. Um, but uh, it's not necessarily been the focus. We we uh, we're situated in this area with dense with breweries, and a lot of them are all friends. So if I somehow tarnish the relationship with my previous employers at Batch, and <laughs> they don't let me go brew there, then um, maybe I could ask someone else. Um, but uh, that being said. I have been uh, pretty inspired by some very manual brew setups, like particularly thinking of like Paul from Mill Apothecary, and and the way that the way that he makes work um, is still you know there's just so many ways to skin a cat, and sometimes when you when you work on a on a brew house that's been designed to make a specific type of wort, you're going to get that same brew house. So sometimes a buddy of mine works for um, pr- Premier Brewing Systems, you know, big. Uh, brew house manufacturer and and we laugh about like the ipa kit like which brewery did they get oh they got the ipa brewery you know or they got the the lager brewery and like literally by the function of the setup changes the nature of the wort um and so i've been really inspired by some of these other um setups and things that i saw in on my travels or continue to see while i continue traveling and um possibly maybe uh build something like that that's a really manual kind of thing but it would be it would be quite small it wouldn't be able to I, I, like again we're, we're a small brewery but it wouldn't be able to to keep the culture alive in the way that we want to do it um probably more something where we can work um more on our future projects uh like work like we're working with um you know regenerative or agri- or uh, organic um uh, malt and barley sorry malt and hops or even native grains because we have like native millet and um, kangaroo grass, some incredible grains that, that grow better in our climate in Australia. That you know, not these European varietals that have been brought over, like 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 barley. Um, those are things that you just you, you can't work on a on a you know IPA brew house to to brew. They have to be something a bit more manual. So second location on a, <laughs> on a farm, yeah. grown uh, grown their own stuff. That's what I'm hearing. That that's, would be nice. That's what I would do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep the current location because it's beautiful and I'll try to. local. Oh, uh, can I just, can I yeah. just butt in? Um, sure. So uh, my brother-in-law, who's my business partner, oh, he wants a link. He's, uh, he, my business partner and brother-in-law is um, back in Tasmania. He's just uh, 6.43 a.m. Um, <laughs> he's got a two-day-old at the moment. So that's why I texted and, and thought... Uh, he might he might be listening, but um, so his palate should spirits. be perfect to uh, to um, yeah, perceive acidity right now, right? Six forty three a.m. He's very jealous of our of our work trip here in California. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, uh, baby vomit is quite acidic. <laughs> oh, gross! Just saying. Hey, Chris. Two day old spit up. <laughs> what if he wants a link for what? The live stream? Yeah. TheBrewingNetwork.com slash TV. There you go. All right. Boom. How are we on time, Scott? I think we should do a show break, and show I want to get to more of these beers here. All right. Let's do what Scott just said. Yeah. Let's do it. Maybe we'll get a, a side beer. Side beer going. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's time for yeah. time for that, too. For yeah. sure. It's, it's, a, it's afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, my palate is shot for acidity right now anyway, so. Big thanks to Wildflower from for flying halfway across the world to be on the show. Thanks to the sponsors. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to Scott, newly married. And thanks to Viva. Until next time, stay sour. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs>